Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-filled review and discussion for Netflix's Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 2. Yeah, I kind of stole your look, kid. What do you think? Bitchin'. Surf's up, my dudes! My name is Nate, and this is our spoiler-filled review and discussion for Netflix's Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 2. Uh, before we get started, if you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, games, toys, and collectibles, and all things Geekcentric. Joining me for this deep dive into the Upside Down, we've got a level 20 high elf paladin who's neutral lawful with a hankering for some ego waffles. He's Jayla the Brave. Why, hello. What up, my dude? I'm loving your your Not fit, much, my dude. Dude, dude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to keep doing that throughout the whole podcast. I'm so sorry. Uh, joining us straight out of the gate in my bathroom, he's a level 15 half-orc barbarian who also partakes in purple palm tree delight. He's Kevin, the demigorgon crusher Hudson. Still love it, but I will say pineapple is never okay on pizza. Ah, oh, dude, try before you deny, my guy. <laughs> you got to try before you deny. Uh, and here to roll more than just a D20, we've got a level 11 Kensei monk with a hairdo that's ready for the most metal. Like Taylor, he's Darcy the Swift. How you doing, bud? I'm good. I just, I'm upset the fact that Pineapple on pizza is a Canadian thing. That was unfortunately I'm ashamed. Yep. Our worst contribution an, yeah, to yep. the world. Uh, absolutely <laughs> incorrect. I think everyone should try before they deny. I think the pineapple, we've had this discussion actually recently on the podcast. <laughs> um, but guys, how are we all doing after that finale? Are we still alive? All of us are alive. Yes, we've, we've double checked. Too many of us are yes. still alive, but... Uh... Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Jeez. I'm, I'm a little afraid now. Dark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but listen, before we piggyback from a pizza dough freezer to get into a mind fight to save our friends, uh, I wanted to ask you guys before we really get into it, considering the incredible shows like Ozark, The Queen's Gambit, Arcane, Squid Game, Black Mirror, Master of None, and others that we've gotten from Netflix, I wanted to ask each of you, is including this season of Stranger Things, is it the best show on Netflix in your opinion? It's definitely the one that I'm always excited for when I when the next season's coming out. Like there are yeah. other shows that I'm like, oh, it's been out for a month now. I guess I can watch it. But Stranger Things is one that I always tend to count down the days still. So yeah, yeah, it definitely stands out in my books. It's the event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think from a fandom standpoint, it is probably the single best show that they have it it, it draws in a a, a, um, very large audience so i i would say if you're if you're looking at the best based on success yeah i think i think stranger things is it it has it really has superseded and and extended itself far far reaching than i think than some of the other series that you've you've mentioned yeah i think i think it maybe has the most uh mass widespread appeal going for it other shows are very specific to a certain uh genre uh, mm, and and yeah. a lot of these really you know excellent shows on Netflix over the years have all you know been more drama than than anything. And I think mm. there's just so much going on with a show like Stranger Things that that 
it's more than just it's it's so much more than just a sci-fi show or a horror show. There's there's you know teen adventure and and romance and I just think it's got the most going for it in terms of widespread appeal. And I do think of all the shows, um, I would I would rank it even above something like an Ozark. Um, you know, shows that I've really liked in the past. I do think this is mm-hmm. certainly Netflix's crown jewel over all the years. And uh, I still, I think after this season, with the epic scale that they, they went to for this, it yeah. felt like one of the biggest TV shows I've ever seen. And, I, and therefore, I'd put it up there in that top five F- echelon of greatest streaming platform shows of all time. Wow. Wow. You know, that description, Kevin, I got to say, like, for me, it was up there uh, with with Ozark. I was it was battling. There was a mind battle in my in my mind between the two. (laughs) And I got to say, just based off of what you're describing there, the fact that, yes, Ozark as a drama is absolutely phenomenal. But the fact that we're able to get so much out of Stranger mm-hmm. Things with how sort of diverse it is and, it, and especially, you know, obviously we're going to be getting into it, but just so much that it brings to the table, especially at this point in season four. Uh, I think I think I'm going to. Yeah, I think it's the best thing on Netflix. Um, yes, yes, I swayed you to my side. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you're you're pretty much Vecna in my eyes. You're Kevna. Uh, yeah, you're Kevna. Kevna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost as intimidating. Um, so, <laughs> guys, uh, let's get right to it. I'm going to skip a description this time around. Obviously, uh, you know, people know what the show's about if you're listening at this point uh, and who it's starring. Uh, obviously, again, this is spoiler-filled. So this is your last warning uh, if you are, like, literally just... Counting down the seconds here, if you haven't watched the finale, um, or even I would say this season of Stranger Things, back out now, go watch all of it. We'll see you in four days, or however long it takes to watch, uh, and we will uh, we'll, we'll get back to it with you. Uh, but listen, with selfless hearts and a clash of metal, heroes fight from every corner of the battlefield to save Hawkins and the world itself. Uh, guys, let's get into our initial thoughts. I'd love to hear what your initial thoughts are of episode eight and the finale. Just some sort of generalized thoughts, very light. Um, what did you think of these last two episodes? Yeah, I, I think volume two delivers on the promises of volume one. It was epic in scope and action. It it really did up the ante. Yeah. The emotional stakes were there and there were some really heartfelt moments and reunions that were nine episodes in the making. So it it set up some big things for season five. And yeah, I was very, very happy uh, with it. I think my only, my only gripe and we can elaborate later is I think Mm. the release strategy of this whole series. I think that there, there could have been maybe a different approach that they could have gone for, but that, that being said, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, take away from just how great this, this fourth season is. Totally. Uh, you know, I, I'll even start my point here on the release strategy, just in that I think so much happened in these two episodes when you compare it to the first seven. You could almost say as much happened just in these last two episodes as happened yeah. in the first seven. And that's why I enjoyed them so much, I think. They justified their runtime by just being cram-packed with so much stuff going on. And then I think my biggest complaint, because we all loved those first seven episodes when we talked about them, but you know, if I were to nitpick anything, it was that I felt the focus wasn't evenly distributed enough amongst the characters, and here yeah. they did such a good job 
Um, like I, I totally understand that Eleven is the main character and is the central focus, but you need to spend time with those other characters so that you can appreciate what she's fighting for. And so that mm. culmination in this episode of of just reminding you why we've cared about these characters for so long, not just this season and not just in this the last two episodes here, but for four years or four seasons, I just think the 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 attention to to all the characters here made everything and the stakes feel that much more important and that much more drastic. Now, the fact that it really doesn't seem to affect them at the end of the day is something I might get into um, at the end here. The plot armor's getting a little thick. A little thick. (laughs) Darcy, what about you? Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with Kev where like these last episodes, it made me care more about the some of the storylines that I felt were going on a bit too long or just weren't, were, felt kind of clunky. Like the whole California storyline, even parts of the Russia one were just like, okay, I understand you're just trying to stretch it out so that we could get this big finale where they all work together. And the way that they worked them together worked out so well that yeah. again, it, it made Flawlessly. me appreciate yeah. those that storyline yeah. more now because of the payout from it. So definitely, exactly. yeah. I definitely loved that aspect of it. And again, I mm-hmm. didn't really get to talk about my seven for the, for the audience. My opinion is on the first seven with the audience, but I, I the, my one big takeaway was the fact that the pacing felt kind of weird. And then, like mm. Kevin said that these, these four hours basically for the last two episodes were so packed that like there wasn't a good time to stop. I just watched it four hours in a row. And it's like, this is awesome. So like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it, it's it. an it was an event, right? I think we've yeah. been we've been kind of circling around that, and it, it it I think episode eight, beautiful episode. I think it really does some really good jobs of uh, wrapping up uh, certain storylines, so we could move quickly into the finale. Yes, um, but yes. I, it was just so episode nine was so epic in scale. I love how they sort of changed the aspect ratio, kept it so cinematic. I uh, honestly, I was sitting on the edge of my seat for the full two and a half hours, for the most part, just kind of like my head racing of like who okay uh, they're gonna die oh you know okay now she's gonna die. oh he's definitely gonna die um and just kind of going through it and I just there was just so much on the line um and I just I think that added to it in terms of like how much I was on the edge of my seat um for that time and it just kept me enthralled like you said Darcy there's not even a good time to sort of stop and get up and go pee. You're just like, I just want to keep watching. Um, but I wanted to kind of also start off, just like how most of these episodes uh, do, uh, with talking about the music. Um, I think this this season, for me, I think had my favorite soundtrack uh, of all the seasons. I think, obviously, everyone's talking about Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush and how we can't get it out of our heads. Thank goodness, because it'll protect us um, from <laughs> from Vecna. But, dude, I just thought it was phenomenal. The entire season from the Beach Boys to Kiss, we got Metallica yeah. in there at the end, and it's just so varied. But it also, it didn't, it felt fun and it felt fitting. Every single song felt like it fit perfectly with where it was. And at no point in time did it feel like I was like, like in some projects, it's like, oh, there's too much music or there's not enough. I thought this was just really perfectly well done i think the other thing too i loved is how they brought in the score at times and yeah, the score was very much the underlining music in the personal character moments yes. the one-on-one moments that happened there was just a nice balance of how they they weaved in the score amongst all of these these popular tracks i thought it was flawless 
Yeah, man. Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein, shout out to them. Um, both, by the way, the soundtrack <clears throat> and the album uh, with the original scores are now streaming. Um, so definitely check those out. Uh, probably my favorite track that you got to listen to, it's going to bring a tear to your eye potentially, is Letter to Willie, uh, which is the song that plays uh, when Dustin is telling Eddie's uncle uh, about his death. And it's such a, a lovely track. And as you said, Justin, they do such a good job at filling in those character moments, those moments between the two of them, yeah. uh, between, you know, those yeah. heartfelt moments. Two people. Yeah. Um, absolutely fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, no, the, the use of even just, like the main theme was was done in a really unique way for this season, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all I, you know, all I'll add is I, I, I've never heard of them before, but I have a feeling after this Metallica is going to be. Uh, trending worldwide for the first time in their careers. <laughs> so many people on TikTok, all the all the little kids on TikTok, like, oh, have you heard about this Metallica before? It's incredible. Oh, my. It was a wicked song, like perfect song for that moment, in my opinion, because like that's something that was teased in the trailer, and I, I yeah. myself, being a fan of the music, very much a fan of the music that Eddie uh, Eddie listens to and, and loves and stuff like that, was just like. What is what is he shredding to right there? And Master of the Puppets was a perfect fitting thing. And I think a lot of, of the songs that like we're talking about fit like when they do play the popular music, it fit the tone so well. And it's just because that yep. era was so diverse at in as a musical era and stuff like that. Because you had mm-hmm. air metal, you had the pop and the synths and all that stuff. So it was a really interesting time of like so many sounds. So it was really cool that they could pick the songs from that era and then put them in no problem because that's what that era was all about. It was about the disco with the synth, with the metal, with everything. So, yeah, and they bring it. in some California as well, like with oh, uh, yeah. with the safaris and Wipeout and and all that mm. stuff. And I think, especially when we talk about like Argyle and all those moments, like we had some yes. good stuff uh, in there as well. I think what's that one? Past the what is it called? Past the past, past the, the duchy. Past the duchy, yeah. dude. On the left hand side, but on the Come left hand side. <laughs> I know. Listen, I might have had a bit too much of uh, of that duchy, so I've. <laughs> forgotten a lot of it uh, <laughs> but um but you know speaking of how the music emphasized the performances were there any performances that were just absolutely stand out for you like between this entire cast i'll just jump in and say it that uh you know i think the emotional resonance you got from uh noah schnapp as he's as he's urging mike on to to do oh the right gosh, thing and yeah. as they're going you know that his performance in the yeah, in the van there is great. just unbelievable yeah. uh, i've always felt he, he I, I could feel him as an actor just like his character always being sort of pushed to the back and never given much to work with i mean he's not in the show for half of it for the first couple of years yeah. um, but here he really got that big standout moment for him as as an actor and i think he he absolutely killed it yeah, and just going off that too, Charlie Heaton and uh, how Jonathan even was noticing stuff going on there. That whole moment was so beautifully scripted that oh. the all, all the actors really had a time, uh, like a chance to shine and show so much vulnerability and and, and just a connection. Like again, you saw that that leads to later on with Jonathan talking to Will later at the pizza place, saying like, "I miss talking to you. I'm always here for you." And it's like all these moments lead into such great things like these char- these these actors really care about the characters and you can tell in their performance it was yeah blown away by that stuff yeah now that you bring that up i'm thinking back to the the last two episodes every single character in this cast got a moment to shine like pretty yes. much every single character whether yeah. they were a good character or a villain or whatever got a moment to shine and i think that speaks to that sort of uh pacing and and how well it was spread out like you were referring to kevin 
again, like you said, Nate, everyone got their moment to shine. I think throughout the entire season, though, I think Sadie Sink was, was yeah, absolutely it, fantastic. Oh I loved how this season served as, as sort of a, a, a sequel to the events of last season for her in, in the loss of her brother. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it, it really does highlight how you know, she's dealing with the trauma of those events and it sort of manifested itself as this tool that Vecna could could exploit and feed off of. She gave us very emotional portrayals and as we see her sort of weakened and, and scared and trying to reconnect with her friends uh, through through this fear. And, and it just made for some really compelling acting and just helping to elevate the, the story. It left me feeling overly empathetic for her character, even as we get to the end and, and see her sort of sacrifice herself so yeah i i uh i think i said it on our our spoiler free for volume one that there was a moment in her performance that made me well up and it was the moment when max is running away from vecna uh back to her friends through that that you know open door right. and she's you know they're they they embrace her and they all hug her at the end and that just completely got to me and i think we get to then see it again uh, with Caleb McLaughlin as Lucas this time, but it's just him in the room and he's holding her. And it's just like the 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 way he screams out for, for Erica and just like she's obviously not there, but he's not even thinking in that moment. Apparently that line was improvised as well, uh, which is really awesome. And it just dude, I, I think the entire cast stepped it up. Um, and I also just wanted to shout out, obviously, our star Millie Bobby Brown, I think. This, I think the, the the scene where she sang goodbye to Papa was probably the best performance I've ever seen from Millie Bobby Brown in general. The, 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 the look on her face of sadness mixed with disdain and anger at the same time. I, 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 I couldn't even imagine trying to do that as an actor. Um, so I just thought it was so, so well done. And especially for a character like her who, you know, Eleven doesn't really have a sort of diverse dialogue as much obviously just the way her character is and the way she was raised and so i think you know getting to see this 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 emotion through her was so powerful it was absolutely incredible yeah i i think you know kevin you kind of hinted at it like this this season very much establishes that l is the center of this story and of what's going on with these events and you know M millie puts her heart into this performance and, and takes the character I think to new emotional levels here that that really as 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 you're pointing out Nate just kind of show how much um she's evolved as an actor and as a character in this story and we see that really take center stage as she she finds herself through her trauma she's really coming to understand her powers as a curse she's starting to understand it through the trauma but in the end in these final episodes we really do see her kind of get a pep talk from from Mike that she can be a hero. She can use those powers to be the hero that that he knows and that they all know who she is. Because I, I think in some ways she feels very much responsible for the events, obviously, that have, have happened to Hawkins, yeah. that these her friends and, and everyone are in je uh, like jeopardy of. So she she feels the need to have to protect them. So I think in this moment, her stepping through and, and kind of finding the courage to to face off against Vecna is was was great. Like it, it actually it had a real payoff to it. Yeah. And I think I think, you know, as much as she is the central character, Eleven's almost the, one of the least interesting characters just because of, you know, how simplistic the character is, at least mm -hmm. from the beginning. And, you know, you guys said that's you know she's 
undergone this evolution of a character as she basically learns about emotions and emoting said emotions. And so this really was that not just an explosion of her, her the true power of her her powers, but it was also that huge range of emotions. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned the scene with Papa there, and I think a lot of credit or a lot of equal an equal amount of credit has to go to Matthew Modine for for making you feel sympathy for this character that has been such a bad guy or been that yeah. you know, set up in that antagonist role for since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I thought he brought a, a heck of a lot there to 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 his last few scenes on the show. And then that whole climax there in the desert with the you know with the the chopper and everything that was just oh for me that was the peak of of Eleven's sort of story here i don't think we've seen her her true face off with vecna at all yet right and so i think that was sort of the peak of her story in this season and so i thought it was that, really big stuff there yeah the helicopter was it was this season's equivalent of the car or the van when when she flips the van in in season 1 this was the equivalent to that for me. It was ah, absolutely incredible. And I don't see yeah. people complaining like when Darth Vader did it, you know? <laughs> Eleven gets a free pass, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, Nate, you brought up Lucas's uh, uh, performance with, with Max. Um, yeah. And, and I also, I, I like the sort of one-two punch that we get with that. We get Lucas, and I think we get Dustin, uh, uh, Gatton Mat- Matarazzo, Matarazzo uh, who yeah. gives a very emotional performance um, as he experiences his own personal loss through through these events, and Dustin's final words to to Eddie j- definitely had me. But seeing that juxtaposed with with what Lucas was going through at that same moment with Max, mm-hmm. um, I think it sets up what the two are going to share going into season five and and the the, the loss and you know what what that looks like uh, in, in in a post traumatic way. So um, I thought that was great. But Nancy Wheeler, oh um, dude, so badass. She so she brought bad. it yet again. She's she she Bring literally those, was the leader. Sarah of... Connor uh, energy. <laughs> yeah, there. dude. Yeah. I loved it. Oh. I loved it. I I feel like that's like she she she's very much been that character throughout all the other seasons. She's she's the one who puts herself in front of the threat. Like she wants to get ahead of it and she wants to investigate and get to the center of it. And she's not scared to get her hands dirty and very much shows here. And I think even more so, she really does show her sense of leadership she she has through other things but here they're looking to her for the answers more so than because no one else is around and she definitely has very much uh, a grasp on 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 the situation so i thought i thought she did a fantastic job and then of course the last person would be vecna played by uh jamie campbell bauer um he was absolutely fantastic and out of the suit we saw a lot more of that villainous joker-esque style to his portrayal there was such a depth of his acting that was so well done in volume one that gave his character so much more meaning then you juxtapose that when he is vecna in the prosthetics really the prosthetics took it from there and i i believe uh i read somewhere recently that he would approach Millie Bobby Brown on set in full costume and she would just freak out in tears, like just absolutely yeah. terrifying. I oh, mean, that's the stuff that that look is the stuff that nightmares are made of. Man. Like <laughs> yeah, that thing is 100%, terrifying. 100%. Oh, yeah. They definitely went with like actual prosthetics for that just to elicit some really like true reactions. And yeah. plus, he would, it would affect how he moves for sure. Like he's probably wearing like 30 pounds of silicone and latex there when he's walking around. So that would definitely bring out something inside him or make him even more inhuman, which is really, really mm. cool. Well, he, he did the voice. 
right? So I've seen some behind the scenes of him doing the voice, which I think is the voice itself was was demonic. But again, when he's in this prosthetic, it's crazy how the look of it is more intimidating over the performance because like his face is still there. But I didn't think that it was actually him because at, at a certain point you, you think, again, the prosthetics are really driving the force of, of creating this terror. We've seen who Henry was and, and we see the great performances from Jamie. But when he actually becomes Vecna, that nightmarish style to his prosthetics was like the driving force of terror that defined Vecna, in my opinion. And they did such a good job with bringing that to life. I love that it was prosthetics because it it fits the genre, right? Like we're yeah. talking about these 100%. this, this yeah. series that's based on all these movies where the villain would have been made of prosthetics. So I thought that was so perfect. It pays pays homage to all those '80s special effects artists who did things yes. like you know the Thing and and Terminator, all those physical mm -hmm. effects to to keep it like that. Uh, just a huge shout out to Barry Gower, um, or Gower, I'm not sure, G-O-W-E-R, but he's, he's on a roll lately. He did, uh, The Green Knight, uh, he did, uh, The oh, Night wow. King from Game of Thrones, uh, and then he did Vecna here, and, but I had made a comment and when we did the first part that I thought that character was being voiced by Robert Englund, um, and I, I guess it's not, it's all done by the actor, and it's such a good tribute to Robert Englund's mm. Freddy Krueger. It's it's such a Freddy Krueger sort of performance yeah, in terms of his voice and everything. Yeah. He does a great yeah. job of, of sort of paying tribute to that. I was convinced totally. it was it was the man himself. Yeah. No, it definitely I definitely that that voice, you're gonna hear it if you head to uh, I think Universal Studios around uh, um, in Hollywood are they're doing another Stranger Things event around Halloween. So I'm sure his voice is going to be all over the place for that. Um, that or but, just come by my house when I'm getting out of bed. That, I sound like that when I'm grunting <laughs> and groaning and getting thing. up. It's the same thing. Kevin uh. is going to is going to get you. Uh, he's just going to be like, it's you're, it's it's time. Um, but <laughs> like speaking of of how scary Vecna was, let's talk about like I think this season amped up the scariness and and the the horrifying moments. I want to know, guys, what is what would you say in this season, either volume one or volume two, what was the scariest moment uh, that you experienced in this uh, in this show? Yeah, well, there is a there is a ton. You're absolutely right. And I think there's one that we were talking about offline, uh, even even after volume one, um, which was uh, the death of, of Chrissy in episode one. Of It was some of the scariest shit that we've seen in this series so far. So, yeah, that would definitely had me like <gasps> in, in that moment. <laughs> I know that was mine, too. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, what did you think of the moment with with Eddie and Chrissy? Like that was horrifying. I just think it's because it was so much more graphic and violent than anything yeah. we'd ever seen on the show. Yeah. So because you weren't expecting yeah. it, you know, a possession here, a possession there, we're used to that stuff. And then the limbs start snapping and the eyes start bleeding. Like, it was it was the perfect amount of just amping it up to that next level to yeah. get even, you know, older people, older audiences who aren't scared by much, you know, that just because of how different it was. So, but imagine being a younger viewer. They're going to get their socks rocked off here. I can't wait to, you know, to hear that. It's imagery that that's burnt into your mind, right? Like I can still see it and I'm like, Chrissy, wake up. And, uh, and dude, it was just... <laughs> Like, again, yeah, the bleeding from her eyes. But again, I want to say shout out to the Foley artist. I, I didn't quite get the name for whoever did the Foley for, for, for that episode. But the bones crunching, dude. Like, I can't unhear the bones 
crunching. And that happened a few times this season oh, yeah. that we got to see these horrific moments. And yeah, I definitely think the the Vecna death, your killings um, are probably for me as well. Terrifying, uh, those scary moments. Yes, those were scary too. And I was trying to be original when, you, when I saw this question. And I think the one of the standout <laughs> moments in terms of spook factor was definitely the first reveal of Robert Engden's character when he turns around and you just oh, see gosh, the stitched dude. up eyes yeah. and like this immediate like terror nice. that you feel from this man who's lost everything. Yeah, that definitely was a chilling moment the first time I was watching it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, leave it up to the, the king of fright to be, you know, come at you with that 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 imagery. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, and even just uh, bringing Billy back um, as a oh weapon. And so now yeah. he's not even just, you know, her poor brother being possessed. It's like there, he's not even there. So it's just a pure weapon to strike, to, to you know, uh, manipulate her fear. I thought that that was super scary because the guy does such a great job in that role. Um, yeah. d- uh, Dockery, uh, is that what it is? Yeah, Dakri Mon- Mon- uh, Montgomery. Montgomery. Um, yeah. So it was awesome to see him back because I just thought he was such. He was really the standout of season three. Uh, but yeah, <sighs> to bring him back as a scare, an even scarier somehow weapon here against Max was dope. Absolutely nuts. When he's banging on the door and she's she runs up to it, and and I gotta kind of follow up as well. You know, if 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 we're gonna talk about that moment with Max, the the sequence uh, with. Uh, Lucas, when he turns to her and he just starts freaking out, he's like, "Like you wanted to kill your brother," and like I was totally in at that moment. Like Lucas, no, like you have to understand. Like calm down, it's okay. And and he just starts going scarier and like deeper voice, and then the eyes on him going completely white. I was just that was that was freaky. I love how they sort of sort of uh, snuck a, snuck that in and 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 you know revealed that uh, as a slow burn was so so scary. Um, obviously I, I kind of want to take a moment and lighten the mood a little bit. Um, let's talk about how funny a lot of this season was. I think there are a lot of phenomenal moments, uh, um, amongst, I think a lot of the different characters. What were some of the funniest moments for you? Well, I enjoyed a lot of the Yuri scenes. I mean, the peanut butter smuggler to me is just such a, <laughs> a stupid character and everything out of his mouth was just making me smirk and smile. So like, yeah, definitely enjoyed seeing him spend time on screen, especially with Murray going back and forth. A lot, oh, a lot yeah. of fun there, in my opinion. The the Murray and Yuri <laughs> switch around, especially when Murray was acting <laughs> yeah. as yeah, Yuri yeah. was yeah, yeah. so good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Murray was great. I think he was like again. There's the comedy is is kind of sprinkled throughout each of these stories. Uh, a lot of stuff, obviously, with Argyle. Like Argyle Dude. was dope throughout this mm-hmm. this entire <laughs> two volumes. So, and obviously the the moment that when he's the guy that comes up with the plan for, uh, you know, making a a. Uh, bath for for L. I just loved uh, you know, <laughs> dude. When he walks in to the surfer dude pizza restaurant, I just yeah. loved how the other surfer boy, you know, whatever his name, he was just like, oh, sweet shirt, dude. Like he was so <laughs> impressed by the fact that someone else worked for the same pizza joint. And I just I love how baked he was in that moment. His eyes are so glazed over. Um, I think he was an absolute delight to add to this season, and I'm so happy that I think we're going to get to see him again in the final season. Um, but I do think it was a little scary considering he drove them all in in the van, and you got to know he was super high on Purple Palm Tree Delight that entire time. <laughs> you saw so, the desert roads they were on. There's no one out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess it's fine. fine. It was a flat <laughs> desert road. He picked the right road. <laughs> 
Uh, and I will say, it wasn't even necessarily any specific line of dialogue that just made me love this guy. It was almost what he wasn't talking. It was just the way he was just totally okay with everything. Like, even yeah. Max has been around for three yeah. seasons, and when Elle tells her she's piggybacked in, she's like, what yeah. are you talking about? But Arkell's like, yeah. whatever, man. Let's just do. <laughs> I believe everything you're telling me. I am yeah. so on board. He's yeah. And he's just sitting there watching Eleven in the tub, like, just like, yeah, man. Dude, look at Supergirl go. He's, the best. He's, he's making a pizza because he's clearly got the munchies. So he's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. they're all like, I know. they're all that's saving like, the world. And he's like, all right, I'm going to make a pizza, dude. You like, can't that's what I do. Save the world on an empty stomach, man. That's, true. that's, that's what he was thinking. That's what he yeah, said. He that's what he said. I hope we see him in, in you know, season five because I want to know if he actually ends up having a relationship with Susie's sister. Oh, yeah. In, in the back of the van. When they go to the house. They're they're smoking in the back of the van, oh. but yeah, I think I think the other characters remained fairly serious. You know, the OG characters were were fairly serious throughout. I will uh, say this this there's a trending moment with with uh, Max and Dustin that I do I go back and I I've rewatched a few times on the TikToks and what have you of just her being so excited about D and D and his his D and D club. Like, yeah. Really? And what about that cool shirt? And like he's just like, You're being sarcastic. And she just like rides away. It's like so good. Like just absolutely phenomenal. Poor Dustin in that moment, dude. Uh but I, I did want to bring it back now that we've had a chance to 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 be afraid and 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 laugh a little bit. Um, you know, obviously we talked about the performances of all this cast already. I wanna know, did did you cry at any point in time? Uh, in volume two, uh, and if so, when did you cry? I'd like to redirect this question to you. When did you cry in this? Series? I just was when crying. Weren't you crying? When was it I cried? Yes, there was a brief moment uh, at the Surfer Boy Pizza Shop that I. W- oh no, I was crying of laughter, so I guess I was still crying. Um, <laughs> I uh, I will say, and and I know we're kind of it's me jumping to the end, which I, I hate to do, but. The waterworks when Hopper walks through the door and L says, I left the door th- open three inches. I was just, I was just, uh, it got me, dude. It got me so much. That's her real papa. Um, I love how she jokes with him. Um, I love the callback to, to the bitch in line and he just holds her so tight. I never want them to split up ever again. I don't want them to ever be in a separate room ever again. I just, I absolutely love that moment. I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, Eddie's death definitely got me choked oh, up. Dude. That's for sure. I I loved Eddie this whole season, and it just oh, like he didn't run away, and it was such a good moment. And then even further was like you mentioned earlier, Dustin telling his uncle about what happened, and it's just oh my yeah. Gosh. There's that no justice the one, for Eddie. Yeah. They still think he's this serial cult worshiper. Like yeah, they still put the they still put the they're still graffitiing the the and, you know like. I was hoping we get some sort of Hopper type thing where everyone knows Hopper died a hero in the last season. Right. And this one, no, Eddie died the murderer that he is, and only Dustin knows what he did. Well, you know, Dustin, Dustin, and, and more and importantly, his uncle now. Yes, I think, and yeah. I think that was the most important resolution. Whether his or not uncle the whole world knew, least, yeah. yes, yeah, that yeah. was definitely yeah. important. Yeah, I, I, I think there was a lot of teary moments throughout uh, the the last part of this of this volume, episode nine. The, the finale and and i think that yeah you 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 mentioned a few of them lucas was was 100 when he was 
losing it. It was so raw. It was so real. Yeah. Um. I. I just. I. I was crying because I just could feel the commitment that he had to the the character in that moment and, and doing that performance. And the same with Dustin in both instances of of saying bye to Eddie and and actually confronting his uncle and letting him know what actually yeah. went down. And then I think yeah, I think the ending with with Ellen Hopper definitely that was a reunion that that I think everyone wanted right. Yeah. And. It was so great to see, you know, the closure that she got through this season with her papa, right? And, yeah. you know, understanding who her real papa is, as you said. Yeah. I think that that's, that is a, a very central thing. And, and it's great that they're at the end here where we're getting all of them coming together, right? So very, very emotional moment. Uh, yeah, there, there was definitely moments. I think for me, the, the, the one character who I found the, the, you know, to have the saddest journey in this this whole section, this whole season, if you will, the the one the most emotional uh, was definitely for Will um, and yeah. what he lost because he truly lost something, um, and he doesn't, and he's all alone in dealing with it. Everybody else seems to have somebody that they can rely on in their moments, and so finally, when Jonathan, you know, oh. figured out how to bring it up to talk to his brother as he's recognizing what's going on on their journey here. I thought that was, for me, the most powerful because it didn't have anything to do with the supernatural. It was the realest, you know, just most human thing going on in the series, and so I thought that was handled really, really well. Um, you know, I think the, ma the moments with Max and Lucas... I think there's still just so much up in the air. I don't know how to process those moments yet. We still have to mm -hmm. wait to find out. I think Elle and Hopper getting back together was so great. But if I may just even like, it's almost one of the things that I think didn't work so well for me this season. Mm. Well, I mean, if uh, if that's the case, let's get into that. I, I wanted to ask you guys. What about either this season entirely or volume two uh, didn't work for you? Obviously, we're, we're praising this show so much. We, we, we love it to death uh, and especially this season. But what what didn't work? What, what do you think could have been improved a little bit more for, for season five? I think very much like the, the, the first part of the season, um, it, it's, it's really nitpicking. It feels like nitpicking to really, you know, criticize anything. Um, but I would say... I think knowing that Hopper was alive going into this season was a bad move. And mm. I think what we're really suffered was they needed to fill in the first five or six episodes of this season with his story. If, if this was just a case of Joyce getting weird messages from somebody and trying to figure out what they meant for the first few episodes. And then maybe halfway through the season, we get the, the shock that Hopper's still alive. And then it's just a few more episodes of him battling to get out of this prison so he can get back. I just think the pacing of that specific story alone kind of drew out some of the emotion and, and power that it could have had. A, if we didn't know he was alive as an audience, I just, I just, that, that part really sort of, I think, took away a lot of the sting that it could have had. Um, but again, they, they somehow in that last episode uh, made it so exciting and so action packed that the storyline itself was justified. It was great. The stuff of the prison over, over those last two episodes was terrific. I just think had, had they found a different way to tell that story throughout the nine episodes, it would have resonated a bit more for mm -hmm. me. Yeah, I, I think a lot of what didn't work for me 
is about sort of, I think I was saying at the top, release strategy and that is a result of pacing and how the story is kind of told over these two volumes uh, i i think this could have still been an event but i w wish they had evaluated the weight of volume one to volume two because you know again we've talked about the pacing issues in volume one and how some stories just kind of fall off and others get pushed forward here in volume two we see everything just kind of rush to an end um, but that being said, I, I think that the, the first the first volume does a really good job of setting the stakes and then volume two coming in and just, you know, knocking that out of the park in its in its entirety. But I think, yeah, just how they could have told the story and maybe shifted some of the episodes, because like release strategy is, is a big thing. Like it, it didn't hurt them, obviously, to drop these in two volume sets because people are still talking about it. Yeah. So there's excitement around it and it built that momentum of an event. So I, I totally get it. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe there's, there's another way to do it. I, I, I will say, and they've, <clears throat> they've already come out on the record and said for, for, uh, season five, they won't be going weekly. Um, I think they, they kind of mm -hmm. were talking about that and addressing that and they will be doing, um, I don't know if they're going to again drop it in a, in volumes, which is fine. I do think it would have been great if we got maybe the, the, I mean, episodes nine's a movie. Let's all just put it out there. It's a movie. I think it would have been great if we got the movie maybe as your volume two. So go go to episode eight, have a good cliffhanger moment in episode eight, and then say- And then go to the theaters. We're, yes, dude. I wanted to see it so bad in a movie theater. I think it would have been so cool, right? That you would have been a better, better release strategy. Theme it as, so as the upside yeah. down has broken into your local movie theater. I think it would have been really cool. But I will say, as for as much time as we got to spend with these characters- I do think there are some moments that do feel like, Kevin, like you were saying, they were stretched out. Um, and I think that's actually because of an element that is ultimately, I think, one of the best aspects about this season, but can hinder it at the same time, which is that it's so tricky to manage a cast like this. And I think for the most part, they did a great job of pairing the right characters in the right moments, in the right places. Yeah. But I think yeah. the amount of time that it takes to cut between sort of these three groups of characters, especially in this finale, where it's like, it could be like they could be uh, getting engaged into one specific moment, but then we don't get to come back to that for like 15 minutes, right? And you're kind of like, the timing is off. You're kind of like, I, I don't, as an audience, it's like, okay, is this happening all at the same time is it happening in in the sequence that we're seeing it. So I think that can add to the feeling of that overall bloat. And I think that that's kind of a dangerous thing when you've got such a large cast. I think they did the best that they could with with what they yeah. had. Um, but we also see some characters, like we were saying, put on the sidelines, right? Like I think, I think Will and uh, Mike, uh, and especially Jonathan, this season, I think, was put into autopilot in the middle of the season. I think at the very beginning with some of the stuff with Nancy and and, uh, and Jonathan, I thought that was a good start off with that character. The only thing I can possibly think of to sort of defend the reasoning of... Oh, Siri wants to weigh in with her opinion. Um, the only reason I can think of as far as to why maybe Jonathan was, was uh, sort of put to the side a little bit was to emphasize the fact that, you know, his character um, was distant from Will, right? So that when they did have that beautiful moment together, yeah. as an audience, you sort of felt like, oh, yeah, I, I don't think I've really seen you that much either, Jonathan, this entire time. So that's the only thing I can sort of think of. But I, I, I just sort of felt like, um, I don't know, I felt like, yeah, we did sort of lose a little bit of the California crew uh, throughout, throughout this season. 
Well, it just annoys me too is that they set up this whole like you know relationship troubles between Nancy and Jonathan, and they don't really address it once they get the reunion. Yeah, totally. He just kind of hi- he hides it again, and so he's still running away from that aspect. So exactly, yeah, I feel like I feel like there was not enough time spent on his character, and and we got that beautiful moment between him and his brother, but that was really all I could recall of his character throughout the season, other than being the driver for them. So right, it's yeah. a bit it was a bit disappointing, and like I said earlier, like a lot of Volume Seven, I was like, why are we going back to this storyline? It's like they're still just driving through the desert or whatever. So it was, again, it, there's payoff in the finale, but it, there was questioning uh, up until the release of volume two. Oh, I totally agree. I think the whole validation of their story is in volume two, right? And mm-hmm. and the, the the purpose that they actually serve. And but what's really cool too is that they've they've they found a way to effectively show everyone being a part of this plan, but away from each other. Yeah. Right. And and I think that was very much what they were trying to do by having all of these stories kind of taking place. But they are one hundred percent off balance, and and I think just even the emotional payoff for Will and Jonathan in in Volume Two validates the rest of what has happened in Volume One, uh, and you know, given them that that sort of punch that their characters need to to kick them over into Season Five. Well, I will just say because I did mention it sort of towards the top of the program, I do think that you know bringing in another amazing character that everybody on yeah. the planet watching the show fell in love with and then killing them again. Um, you know, it just feels a bit, uh, you know, cyclical at this point. They've done it for the last three seasons in a row or at least two of the last three seasons. Yeah, um, it's almost a theme at this point. I mean, Sean Astin, I think. In, Sean Astin in, was, was right? season two, right? And he was oh. so incredible and for them to take him away. And I just think, Bob. you know... Um, again, the stories they're telling with the main characters are all important in their own ways. So I'm not saying that it would be easy to just replace a boring of the regulars with more interesting or dynamic characters. But, you know, the fact that none of our main characters, they all seem to be safe no matter what happens. I mean, the the, the one group is getting strangled by vines for like 25 minutes and they didn't die. (laughs) You At know, least that's what um, it feels like, right? Because we move because away. Because the right? way they had to keep yeah. going back and tell it. Yes, obviously, yeah. I don't think the intention was that they were actually being choked <laughs> out for that long. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, to take away a character like Eddie was so, like, oh. even giving him a great way to go, I wanted so much more from this character. I, I wanted to see so much more from him. So it's just, it's, uh, it's just sad that, that, and then again, even Max, you know, we see her up there. She's getting broken in half. We know what the outcome of this is, and even she doesn't quite go yet. You know, who yeah. knows what the future is right. for the character? But they're all sure. safe, no matter what. And that's just—it's just like they've been through a lot. We'd have lost one of them by now. Yeah, and I, I think yeah. I will say, yeah, I think I think by this point, it it would have made sense to see the loss of uh, of a major character in in of our our main cast. But um, I will say, yeah, Eduardo Franco, dude. Uh, or no, sorry, that's Argyle. <laughs> Joseph Quinn. Uh, I've just still got Argyle on the mind, dude, my dude. Um, Joseph <laughs> Quinn is was just from the moment he he the first sequence with him that you see him, he's so captivating. Yeah. Um, I just thought his performance was absolutely outstanding. And yeah, dude, I I will say like I was like when he starts running back, I'm like, listen, I get what you're doing with the idea that he doesn't run away. I get that. Don't do it. Don't do it. I want him to stay alive so bad. And I think for Dustin, I think he was the, you know, I think I think Eddie was the Steve 
for Dustin this season. So, you know, with with it'll yeah. be interesting. I'm wondering if maybe in season five, if we get more of a, a relationship again between Dustin and Steve now that Eddie is gone, um, because I think I think Steve's whole thing this season was to do with Robin. And I think I think that that dynamic was excellent. I loved in the car with the boobies. Uh, I thought that was phenomenal um, as another great funny moment. But I think there was so much focus between those two characters. And then and then near the end with him and Nancy, I would love to see them reconnect uh, now that now that Eddie's gone, unfortunately. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I totally agree. I don't think it was great to have, you know, killed off another beloved character who we were just introduced to at the beginning of this season with with Eddie's demise. But I do think that this sets up an emotional stakes for Dustin going into season five. I, I think it's going to have. Uh, importance to him as he carries that through on the ne- on the final chapter, but you know, pointing out Steve, you know, Steve is hugely important to to Dustin. But I think Eddie was far more important to Dustin, in in the sense that I think he saw a lot of himself in Eddie more so than he did in Steve. There was they had a lot in common. So I they think were both outcasts. There was so that they bonded over that. Yeah. Steve was the jock who fit in with everyone and was popular. So it, I mean, they got exactly. along, but they don't come from the same world. Uh, I think exactly. it's interesting because the whole Eddie dying, I think, could potentially set up for some very, I mean, cruel mind tricks from Vecna if we see him return. Oh, gosh. He could use the death know. of Eddie to play with Dustin and, and, and just completely break the kid, I think. So, Jeez. yeah. Again, because he, it's even with all of these. Go, but there is, it does set up a lot with his death. With all of these characters that we've seen throughout all of these seasons that we enjoy and that they die, they, they've meant something to someone else that is a part of this larger story yes. and i think it's very likely that we could see sean astin or some of these dead characters come back in the final season as part of vecna kind of getting at each of these characters. all of them he just he just yeah that's terrifying um well listen that sounds like a terrifying moment that is has yet to happen uh, i want to kind of get to what our favorite moment of this either this volume or this season whatever we want to do what is your what was your favorite moment uh you're only allowed to pick one i know it's tough you're only allowed to pick one what was your favorite moment thank you for stipulating that. this season darcy go for it i want to go first before anyone steals it obviously eddie rip uh, shredding to master of puppets Dude. that was such an epic scene and i've been mm-hmm. like i said i was waiting for it since that trailer dropped and it lived up to it and everything like i that's Oh, such a good song, and Dude. so it fit so much of what was going on with the series too. Is that like they were all Vecna's puppets, these bats, and he was just exactly. starting to become the master of them. It just it fits so well. I loved it. Dude, the hammer-ons, the hammer-ons, the hammer-offs that oh, he, he was nailed doing. it too. Dude, <laughs> absolutely shredded. incredible. I love that moment as well. And I, I just have to say, as soon as they get back, I love how, <laughs> I love how literally hell is raining down upon them. And as soon as they get back inside, they're like, I was so metal. Like they were so excited <laughs> about what just transpired, even though they're like literally about to die. So they good. literally just survived the most epic metal music <laughs> video of all time. Like, yeah. yeah, what a great moment. And like, that's the kind of thing that, you know, if you described it, Without seeing it and not enough context, you might that could go the complete other way and just be totally really dumb, cheesy, cheesy bat. Cheesy. And it was yeah. all of the good things. It was it was fun and awesome and epic. Like that's a stand up and fist pump moment, a hundred percent. And like, there's so many great moments like that, huge big moments uh, that I could bring up right now. Uh, but I'll go. I'll stick with Eddie and go for something on the complete opposite end. A really soft. Uh, human moment. It was it was the interaction 
between him and Chrissy in the first episode when when she's forest, uh, yeah. looking to buy drugs and and just their interaction in the forest is so amazing because Eddie is nothing like people have him pigeonholed as and you know you get to see Chrissy just suffering so much more but nobody taking the time I'm sure in her life she's just the pretty popular girl and so everything's perfect for her and it's just quite the opposite and and their connection was just so real and so good in that moment and I've even seen the producers or the writers have come out and said had we known they were going to have such good chemistry on screen we would have found a way to give them a few more moments before um, you know doing what they did because it was just the very next scene basically where the the shit got real and the horror you know was was coming right at you so it was almost that calm before the storm of just such a beautiful sweet little human moment it was awesome i love that i love that justin yeah i i would say the kate bush uh moment um yeah. with max running back uh the music the way they cut it together you know just just how they built into the moment and then the music just kind of carried it I thought it was I thought it was really empowering and very touching. She's running back to her to her friends. I think they they really hit how uh, these this group of friends are are they're just so loving to each other. They care about each other, um, and that was really you know with the music and and knowing that she, that was her saving grace. So I thought it just kind of summarized really well what what Stranger Things at its core is really about. Totally, and and as I said, like that one got me teared up in Volume One. I think yeah, her her. Just the way that they build the music up and it's all you can hear, which is perfect because that's all she can hear. Um, phenomenal. Uh, for me, <clears throat> I'm going to say it, it's it got to be Nancy, Robin, and Steve going up against Vecna in slow motion. That angle, that shot of the three of them. <laughs> And just to- they're tossing badass. Molotov cocktails <laughs> and and shooting with a sawed-off shotgun, dude. Like, absolutely. Inc- I want... If Mondo isn't already working on a poster for that, please do. I want it in my home because phenomenal. I think getting to see that, how it cuts between them and then Hopper with the sword going, you know, he's slicing up the, the dude. He's absolutely incredible. I, I, was, I was like, why does he have a sword? I don't care. Um, I think that was a phenomenal <laughs> way they cut back and forth between that moment. And uh, and yeah, man, I think, honestly, Nancy with a gun is my party leader any day of the week. Any day of the week, sure. give Nancy a gun and we'll be fine. We'll be totally fine. Absolutely. So- I saw a great GIF meme, and it was and it was just this little girl running to grab a gun from a drawer, and it was you know Nancy in every season of, of Stranger Things. Like, she's it's just true. like, I know where guns are. Let's go, guys. <laughs> okay, but you mentioned something, and I did want to ask that because I thought, oh, maybe I missed something, but I'm not going back. How did I miss? How did I miss where a sword came from in the Russian prison? Yes. So that's when they were getting all the prisoners to fight the Demogorgon at first. They said, and so one weapons. of them must have just had, that. and so okay. one of them was a uh, sword, and then they died, and of course they haven't had a chance to clean up the body yeah that's perfect uh, okay that does make point. sense so yeah but it's so yeah. perfect because it's literally it's a D yeah fight absolutely that, <laughs> like, that, he just rolled a natural 20 on his double attack there natural it was perfect 20 so, yeah sl- chop yeah. that head off dude ah oh, absolutely incredible okay listen we are uh we're 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 hitting our our one hour mark i think the next group wants to come in and record their spoiler filled uh review hold on guys we'll we'll get to you in a moment uh but listen i wanted to get to our our final thoughts and we're going to do something uh kind of new that we haven't really done on the podcast before i want us to rank 
the the seasons of the show um going from last to first i think that would be really fun just to hear what you guys impressions are of of where this season falls uh within the four seasons that we've gotten so far um but before you do that i want to hear your your rating for this volume two uh on the scales of one to five delicious surfer boy pizzas well, I really enjoyed this volume. Like I said, I watched it all in one sitting and I found it hard to stop because I just wanted more and more. And it, there was so much justification paid off to all these storylines that they had set up that first watching them, I felt kind of let down by them. But again, seeing what the payoff was, I feel like the journey was totally worth it. And it, again, that's just a credit to these two episodes, just tying off those those you know journeys and everything so beautifully. Uh Again, lots of wicked moments with all the characters. I think we could uh, spend another hour talking about more scenes and, and more favorite things. But just the writing and everything in this series seems to be building up to just a really cool story. And that's what I felt with every season. So definitely the uh, definitely going to be probably... I'm going I'm to give it 4.8 out of 5 delicious Surfer Boy pizzas for Volume 2. Because there were things that irked me a bit still, but everything was just so well done that I, I thoroughly enjoyed those four hours. Very dope. And your ranking, how would you rank it? Where does it fall on? Oh, the, ranking, yeah. Yeah. Overall seasons, again, it's been a while since I've watched them, but I feel like the way that they keep building upon this story where we first thought it was just, you know, this spooky underworld and then, oh, there's a bigger bigger monster from the underworld and it, it keeps growing. I feel like my, my ranking for the seasons are very much like that, where like the, the characters or the actors are all growing with these characters mm. and delivering such powerful performances as they go on that it's definitely a, a one, two, three, four in, in my books because, again, they've grown with the characters and the story has become so much more like rich and and uh, unique so yeah definitely a one two three four ranking in my book all right so four being at the top is what you're saying yes okay yes i love right. four was such a, a great combination and setup for what's coming next so nice all right yeah. dope justin how about yourself yeah i think volume two 100 percent delivered on what volume one set up and and that was this epic showdown with elevated stakes, it felt huge, not just because of each episode's length, but because of the scale of the <laughs> yeah. action and, and the visual effects. It really does push the series into cinematic territories, which is something we've seen throughout the series. It, it's naturally scaling up. And I, I think this also goes for the acting. Each of the kids, as we were mentioning before, had a moment to shine in this. And, and you really do see how they've they've grown up um, and and you know, commit to their character's portrayal. So I think this season proves that, you know, the Duffer brothers can still be fresh with their approach while keeping things familiar and, 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 you know, scaling things up and making for a more compelling story. And, you know, with, with characters that we know and love. And I think that this, the ending of this volume definitely sets up some huge stakes for, for season five and it's, final season um with with all the og characters back in hawkins i think it's going to be pretty dope to see how you know they've come together they're all in hawkins and there's this new shit that's taking place now <laughs> with the upside down so it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds so i i think again it's top tier i'm going to give this a 4.5 out of 5 delicious surfer boy pizzas as for ranking yeah i think darcy said it best yeah. This the series hasn't really missed a mark. It's been a one, two, three, four scale up. And yes, I think this is the best season of of uh Stranger Things, so it would be my number one. Cool. Kevin, what about yourself, my dude? Uh yeah, I mean the the, the two gentlemen before me uh said it best. Um uh, I mean I know for myself 
watching those nine, nine and a half hours, whatever it was, for the first seven episodes in part one there, I thought, man, they're really they're really just stretching this thing a bit long. Um, but And then to, to see the runtime of these two episodes for part two, I thought, man, how could they possibly have this much story to tell here? And every second was filled and executed perfectly. I thought the pacing on this two-episode arc versus the first seven was just so incredible. It was worth the journey getting here. It was it was worth being as long as it was to tell these stories. And I, I, it's, it's all about making these characters that we care so much about, be it our original OG characters or these new characters that they keep bringing in and taking away from us. The strength of this show is making characters, and not just one or two, but nine or ten of them that we love to see, that we want to see more of. I mean, I love that. That's our that was my complaint in the first half. It was, oh, I wanted to just see more of these characters as well. And here, everybody got their time to shine. Everybody got to to be there, and everything that they'd gone through felt meaningful and felt important. And so, just such a, a job well done here. Uh, this is for me peak Stranger Things. This this two episode just mega event, as we've been calling it, is just the best thing they've done. I honestly have no idea what they could possibly have in store to top it. I almost wonder if this wasn't the better place to sort of leave the story, leave these characters. It does feel like they could have been wrapping up things with the way they told these stories here. And so I just hope that going one more year is worth it and that they can... I, I'm not saying they can't because look at what they've done so far, but I am a little afraid that it just can't get better than this because, again, this is peak Stranger Things. Uh, I'm going to give this a solid five out of five. <laughs> tasty, sexy, tasty, tasty, tasty. Delicious. Tasty, delicious. delicious delivery yeah. boys. A five out of five. <laughs> delivery boys. Pizza. I'm talking about pizza, man. I love it. No, don't change it. talking about Don't change it. Don't change it. Don't change a thing. His sexy, long, black hair. It gets all over that pizza, dude. You guys got the best hair on TV, man. Five out of five for his hair. Five out of five for the episode. Um, And I'm not quite on the same page as the other two uh, gentlemen. Because while I do feel the stakes got bigger each season, I don't think uh, the execution of the storytelling... Uh, just consistently got better. I think for me, season two struggled the most. It was almost just a bit too much of a rehash of season one. You had some clunker storylines like Eleven going and finding the, you know, look at how much better they did exploring a story of Eleven interacting with other test subjects here than in that that second season. Uh, I think the standout there is Bob. Um, Sean Astin, he's amazing. But yeah, so season two, definitely the weakest for me. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's tough to put season three above season one just because season one was so good that it started everything. It blew up the phenomenon. But, no, I think just the way season three was able to use its characters and and take three years of their experiences. Um, and it just it was such a great 80s tribute with the malls. And, and just I love the nostalgia of that season so much. So that would be my second favorite. But season four... Uh, I wasn't sure it was going to get there, even though I loved so many elements of it. I was like, oh, is this thing going to run its course? It was amazing. It was incredible. Uh, I, I'm just very nervous to see season five now. Dude, we'll, we'll, we're going we're gonna to chat about that in just a second. Um, but yeah, th- this is the best uh, season of Stranger Things for me. Um, I think volume one and now volume two has back. fully sealed it for me. I think it's just incredible. 
I think to see how 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 uh, polished this product has gotten, I think to the degree that it is. Again, I, I went back and I I just like for a brief moment uh, after watching the finale, I kind of was like started watching episode one of season one again, and I was like, wow, look at where we look at where we came from, and it's 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 just absolutely phenomenal how just how far they've come. I think the Duffer brothers have put so much heart and love into every single frame of this show, which is really impressive given how many frames there are. I think the entire cast has just progressed in their performances, like we were saying. And I, I can't wait to see literally everyone in this cast in another like story or movie or show. Like I'm yeah. so excited now to, yeah, to see what they do for their future. I think is going to yeah. be awesome. Um, I think, again, my heart was beating so fast throughout this finale. I do think... I do think it is it is long, but I think that was appropriate given how cinematic it was made to feel. Again, it was a movie. Um, I'm just the whole season was was so massive, so it needed a, a, an extra big finale. Um, I don't think we needed certain sequences like we were talking about to be as drawn out or as as long uh, as impressive as it was. I think they could have scaled down um, some aspects to it a little bit. Um, but overall, it's such a fantastically produced show with incredible music and moments from from this volume that will stick with me, I think, forever. Uh, you know, as I'm in my salty bath. Um, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to give this season, like Kevin, a five out of five. Um, I think it was absolutely incredible. Five out of five sexy. What was it? Sexy boy. Sexy, <laughs> sexy boys? delivery boys. <laughs> I'm going to give it the actual ranking of five out of five delicious surfer boy pies um, or pizzas, whatever. Anyways, uh, as for my ranking, I am going to actually change it up a little bit. I'm very close to Kevin. This is probably the closest that Kevin and I have ever been, except for that one time when we had to sleep in the same bed. Um, I'm going to say season from first from last to first season two uh, was the weakest for me. I loved season three so much with the mall stuff, but season one was lightning. It was so phenomenal. It was it was a it, it took the entire world by storm. Not a single person that I know, uh, for the most part, who has a Netflix subscription, they didn't watch it. Everyone's at least seen season one, even if they didn't keep up with it. They've watched season one, and so I think for me, I go season two, season three, season one, and now season four is my favorite season of Stranger Things. Guys, um, we're we're running a little long here. Um, but I did want to just, you know, we brought it up kind of in our, our overall thoughts. How, how, how do they, how do they top this finale in general and, and this season? Like what, what do we think will happen next? To, I was alluding to it before, but I, I think that Vecna's going to have free reign on all of mm. the OG characters that are, are left in, in Hawkins that are, are helping L. He's going to have free reign. And I think Will's going to be really integral to that. You know, again, I, I, I feel like we're if this is the final season, it is going to very much stay focused, I think, on the core characters, kind of like how Endgame took that approach. It's just kind of like returning to the center of the story and, and, and kind of concluding there. I just wonder, though, now that Vecna is is revealed to be the kind of keeper of everything, what what's next? And and do I understand it right? Like, did 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 
the upside down now just come into the real world? Is that what's happened? I think that's it. The upside. We were joking. We were joking off air, Justin, saying like, dude, my dude, the upside down is now the right side up. Uh, so I think I think maybe they start calling it the right side up or they just call it Hawkins. Um, but I, I think, um, yeah, man, I think the idea of almost paying homage to a season one would be really cool with Will sort of being the. The, the 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 main sort of focus um i think would be really awesome now that 11 has kind of she's concluded her stuff you know what i mean i think there's still more to to yeah. do with her but i think she's going to now be that that superhero uh that mike knows her as and i think um yeah man i think that would be really really cool if they could kind of find a way to and and i i gotta ask do you guys think like vecna he doesn't have a body anymore right he's just that smoke stuff now he's just that dust like I think he's just gonna have be like a disembodied voice. What do you what do you think? Well, Darce, when we were talking um, off air, you had kind of an interesting idea uh, that I was like, oh, that's that's got potential. Yeah. Uh, well, it had to do with the whole Sadie or Sadie Sink's character, you know, ending up brain dead basically at the end of it with masks. Uh, yeah. And even Eleven visiting her there, and there is nothing in her mindscape. It was just a black void. I I think that that is now going to be basically a, a vessel potentially for Vecna because I mean he oh, already had his fingers shoot. so deep in her mind and now that the mind is clear what's to say that he can't take oh, that no. body further and do again I think ne- the next season will be a lot of mind games like it level style playing with each of the characters fears and emotions and stuff like that so uh, yeah like I said that's why I think we might see Eddie again as a, as a like a spectral for form sure. that's taunting Dustin yeah. so again I, I, yeah yeah, it's going to be a very serious mind game for the next five, for sure. uh, next season for sure. I think a lot of the dead people that we've seen throughout all of the seasons are going to come back in in season five and reprise a upside down version or wherever it is version of themselves, um, and that's gonna that's gonna create for some terror and it's really going to show how he ha- you know Vecna has his his claws in all of them uh, and in their minds and their emotions and even going so because I was thinking like it would be really great if one of the friends becomes the villain and she is obviously the perfect choice for that because now she has to fight Vecna through her friend and that's going to be a a new emotional battle uh, for for her I think that's crazy because they really set up her the importance of her relationship with Elle like even in some of those memory flashbacks we see them together uh, very much so so I think that you know again there's there's the groundwork that's been laid in in these this this season four that that could really feed into that well i also think that uh maybe season five will get more of a response from uh mr wheeler because world's gone to shit outside and he's still just watching the <laughs> news like any other day news. basically he seems so unfazed <laughs> yeah yeah just get him and argyle in a room just smoking some purple palm tree delight together and they're just gonna have a wonderful time well and this is less of a prediction and, and more of a question um because if if I'm not mistaken, I believe I read that uh, season five will be taking place a few years down the road, or there will be. Oh, they did say that a there's a time jump. jump, right? And so I just there's don't understand jump, yeah. how. At I, I was surprised to see this season end with this next threat appearing like imminently. You know, I thought maybe you'd get a hint at what it might be, but not the not have the characters directly see it themselves. So I wonder how they get to that point where it's two years later, even though the threat seems like it's going to be right around the corner for these characters. Well, it's interesting because we talked about the idea of, uh, and I think a few people have, like spinoffs for, for Stranger Things. And I'm wondering if a time jump for that, like between the ending of, of where we left off 
and what we're, we're going to come back to in season five, if that's going to open up the gates, uh, no pun intended, for for uh, some storylines to come in of, okay, the discover like people in Hawkins, different people in Hawkins discovering what the upside down is now that they're sort of forced sure. to. Do we follow a, another group of friends that has to deal with the outcome of that moment in Hawkins? Because I do think it is like an end game level situation where there's no there's sure. there's no way that we're going to get to the point coming back, uh, yeah. where where yeah where they don't know what's going on throughout the entire town of Hawkins um and I'm wondering if like that would be even cool if there was a way that we could get redemption for Eddie in that moment of everyone sort of realizing okay this is actually what was going on um and I I just yeah I I think it's going to be really fantastic my biggest my biggest request is that they do put the series finale in movie theaters. Make it a fan event like they did for Obi-Wan in, in Toronto. I think it would be incredible. They've done pop-up events all over the world. Um, and a lot of the times in San Diego, I think, dude, just I want to watch this with a buttload of people all in a movie theater cheering and clapping and crying as we see yeah. Eleven die. I think Eleven's yeah, going to die I think, in the end. Yeah, I do yeah. think we're going to lose her. <laughs> yeah, I do I think, think that's going to be the case. I, I I I agree. I agree. Um, <laughs> I also think though that they they need to do a theater release for it. Like it's such a missed opportunity that they didn't do it here with this to at least set the stage for a, a season five finale in the in the case because you're at, like eight episodes, volume one. Go see volume two when it hits theaters July first. Right? You know people are going to put their asses in that theater Dude. to see that movie. Imagine right? how much more because money just that, that they would make. That like, well, it, 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 I don't understand it. Merch? That's a good release strategy. That's a unique release strategy to Netflix. You've built the fandom. Yeah. Go see the, the final bit, the final act of the story in theaters. It's so smart. When you go and create a two and a half hour long TV show with the kind of budget they had, with everything that happened, it was a movie and it is a yeah. shame that they didn't have a way to get that on a big screen for people to see did did you guys get the vibe though that as the final moments are happening and they're like driving through hawkins and you see all this destruction like could you see the upside down it wasn't until they get to this hill and then they start to see the upside down really manifest itself so i was kind of confused at that point because then i was like oh okay so the upside down has turned into the right side up the right <laughs> yeah, side my up dude, dude. my dude <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> i feel like it's just a more massive and more permanent gate basically i'm not sure if like the upside down is coming through like you know the tendrils are grabbing houses or anything like that i think mm-hmm. it's more anything can come through there like oh it's, it's demo a gate bats. yes yeah and i think that right. if we do get a time jump i think it's reasonable to think that vecna's you know, licking his wounds and coming up with the ultimate plan because I, th- I feel like a lot of what happened to him was because he got cocky. Like he think he thought he was the ultimate being when clearly there's more to it than that. So I wouldn't be surprised right. if that is why there is a time jump or delay while they're you know monitoring the situation. People are figuring out what this upside down is uh, that he's slowly you know piecing himself back together, getting ready for the big fight again. And I love the yeah. idea that if he no longer does have a body, like you were saying, Darce, like. Maybe the way that because his weakness ultimately in the end was being connected, was being the hive mind. That was his weakness. The fact that they could be chopping up demigorgons in in Russia and yet he's still affected by it. I think he needs to find a way to, you know, not have that happen anymore, not be connected to the overall, you know, everything around him and just maybe be this spiritual force inside Max's mind space. And that's that's maybe the the main place that they're battling. Yeah. Um, ah. Yeah. 
dude. Phenomenal. I cannot wait. I hope it doesn't take another three years. I hope they're already working on it. Um, I really want to see the resolution to this as soon as possible. Is there anything else you guys wanted to quickly say before we wrap up? No, nah, dude. My dude. All right, my dude. <laughs> well, that is it for this spoiler review and discussion for Netflix's Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 2, uh, and Season 4 in general. We hope you enjoyed hanging out with us. Uh, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or your predictions for Stranger Things Season 5, Justin, can you let our listeners know which one of the four portals now ripped into Hawkins' ass cheeks uh, they can travel through to reach us? <laughs> well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com or on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest in shows and movies out now. If you enjoy Netflix content, I mean, The Man from Toronto uh, is out on Netflix. We, we did a spoiler-free review for that. Um, the Sea Beast, which is out in theaters right now in, in Canada, um, is going to be on Netflix on July 8th, um, which is a phenomenal, fantastic uh, animated movie that we got a chance to check out. Um, if you love streaming stuff, obviously Disney Plus, Only Murders in the Building, Season 2, Episodes 1 to 6. Justin and I got a chance to sit down and uh, and talk about just how absolutely lovely and fantastic uh, those episodes are. So definitely check out those reviews and keep your eyes peeled. We've got our Thor Love and Thunder spoiler-free review. Uh, it, it might be out now. It might not. Who knows? Definitely check the the app. Uh, Dar- Darcy and Justin had a, a wonderful review that I actually, uh, as of this recording, haven't heard yet. I can't wait to hear what they thought. Um, we also have a ton of other interviews as well, like with Disney and Pixar's Lightyear director Angus McLean, producer Galen Sussman, and composer Michael Giacchino. We interviewed the directors for episodes one and six of Miss Marvel, Adil and Bilal, uh, and they got hyped with us, just like we got hyped on this episode. Um, and we most recently interviewed Obi-Wan Kenobi director Deborah Chow and freaking Anakin Skywalker himself. Justin, I'm so jealous that you've now interacted with Hayden Christensen twice in your life. Uh, and, and you can learn about that uh, if you check out the interview uh, and kind of uh, where the first time Justin met Hayden. Um, and they also discuss a moment of Star Wars fatherhood that's just so lovely. So go give those episodes a listen and a five-star review if you don't mind. Lastly, uh, we've got our This Week in Geek episodes uh, out now. Uh, we do them every single Wednesday. Uh, one of our more recent ones we talked about, you know, Marvel coming back to Hall H, a Jon Snow spinoff series. Um, so definitely check out those as well. All right, listen, we've done it. Our campaign, our campaign for now is completed. We got to come back to it at a later time. Uh, but half orc barbarian Kevin, hi, elf paladin Jayla and Kensei monk Darcy uh, the Swift. Thank you so much for joining me for this spoiler-filled review and discussion. And as we say, love ya. Get home safe, guys. Laters. Peace.